The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today, I have a very special guest, Kuth Blackson. Kuth is a new friend of mine. I really love him, and I know you will, too. He is truly unique in this world, and his field is the world of human potential. He has been working in this field, okay, wait for this, since he's been eight years old. All right, there's a big story there, and he's going to tell us about that. Um, but since then, he has changed many, many lives for the good. So, Coot, welcome to the show. It's great to be here, Cheryl. I've been uh, really looking forward to, to getting to connect with you today. That's great. So, where are you today? Oh, I'm back in Los Angeles after, you know, traveling New York and Guatemala, Romania, uh, San Diego, back in L.A. So, it's just great to be here. Good to be home. Nice. So, you, do you spend much time in LA at home? I know you travel a lot. Yeah, at this, this time it's about fifty-fifty. I'm traveling a lot, speaking and doing events and seminars, and in Bali and India, and you know, all over the place. So there's there's a lot of travel, and I think it's only going to be increasing. So I, I savor the moments when I'm at home now. But I'm starting to feel like my my home is uh, wherever my you know, my attention is, my heart is, and it's starting to feel, the world is starting to feel like a, a village. So it's, it's a cool feeling. Well, and that, you know, is something that many people never actually get comfortable with. So it mm-hmm. takes someone special to do that. I'm not surprised you are able to do that. But mm-hmm. let's talk a bit about your upbringing. I know that people love your story. You grew up in born in Ghana, um, you were raised in multiple countries. You spent time in England. You traveled to four different continents as a child, being raised by a father who is from Ghana and a mother who is Japanese by heritage. And mm-hmm. so you have turned out to be just an absolutely beautiful person, physically and emotionally and, and mentally. And, you know, you have such a spark in your being. People can't help but want to listen to you. But this goes way, way back, your, quote, training of how to speak to people and how to engage them. So you actually spoke to your father's congregation, who he was a minister for a very, very large congregation, you spoke to them starting at the age of eight. So take us there and tell us what that's like for an eight-year-old boy. <laughs> you know, 
You know, as an eight-year-old kid, you know, my father has about 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa. At that time, there were hundreds of thousands of, 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 of people that were part of his congregation. He had one big church in London. And I was the kid, you know, it wasn't like some some special thing, but I was the kid that I just loved playing soccer in the lobby of the church, and I would break the glass. So that didn't look too well on my dad and my mom. So they dragged me into the front seat one Sunday, and I was sitting there, and like any eight-year-old kid, you know, the service used to be, what, three hours long. It was a long service uh, in those days, and I was bored, and I was uh, I would always fall asleep uh, during Sunday service. And um, all of a sudden, I remember being eight years old and someone nudging me uh, in the shoulders and said, hey, 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 wake up. And I looked around kind of sleepily and all these eyes were on me and, he, and the guy whispered who was sitting next to me, your father's calling you on, onto the stage. So, you know, in a half-awake state, I run up on stage and, and he announces to the audience, my, my son is going to be giving the sermon today. <laughs> and I didn't really know what was happening. And it wasn't like I had any preparation. Uh, but I did remember, I read a book, my first self-help transformation book, because, you know, at that point, I started becoming fascinated, even at a very young age, with my father had all these books on his bookshelf, you know, uh, uh, Joseph Murphy, Joe Goldsmith, Ernest Holmes, Charles Fillmore of Unity, uh, Maharishi Meshiyoki, all these kind of mystics from East and West. So I started reading this, these, these books, and my first book I'd read just a few weeks before that was a book called Creative Visualization by Shakti Gawain. And that was so simple, I was blown away, like, you mean I can think things and my thoughts affect my reality and it was like mind-blowing for me as a kid so so he said when he said my son's going to give the sermon i just started to talk and and all of this information started flowing out of me and i was kind of bringing some of what i'd read from from this amazing book in my own words and expressing that and connecting that to some of the miracles that jesus performed and and just my heart was speaking my soul was speaking and that's when you could say my my dharma started people often ask how did you start in the field that's i would say the first moment i had some conscious recollection of a force greater than myself flowing through me and it was an amazing moment and I don't remember what I said but week after week after that at least once a month or so uh, my father would throw me up on stage and say hey my son's going to speak age 14 I was ordained as a minister in my father's church again spontaneously I'd been kind of serving people for a few years at that point and you could say I was a six-year veteran and uh, I knew that my destiny wasn't to take over my father's churches. My path was set out for me. It was carved out. This is, was expected by my father, expected by hundreds of thousands of people. But I knew in my heart that there was a, a deeper calling. Something else was calling me to a different expression. I, I always wanted to serve people, Cheryl. I always wanted to make a difference. I felt like I was here to, to raise consciousness, but I knew it wasn't through the structure of the church. But, you know, I wanted my father's acceptance and, 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 and there was some place where it connected, like, okay, I can be of service here, but it just didn't feel right. So it took me about uh, four or five years, about four years, to really muster up the courage to, uh, to have a conversation with my father and let him know I would not be taking over his churches. And it was deeply challenging for me, deeply painful. I was terrified that if I truly followed my heart, if I truly followed my spirit, if I truly followed the deepest truth in my being, that I would lose my relationship with my father. And uh, I had the conversation when I was about 17, 18, and, and uh, we didn't speak for a while, and it was deeply challenging. But I knew in my heart, as challenging as it was, as painful as it was, that I was on track, that I was following 
my soul's intelligence. And I think that's something I've always done because I, I, I see that, you know, we all have this deeper knowing, uh, this sense, this intuition, this guidance. Sometimes it's not logical, but there's a, there's a pull inside of us. I, I always say that's our soul's intelligence that's guiding us. But, you know, many times we don't listen to that. We don't act on that because it doesn't make any sense because it requires us to let go of what we know, it requires us to go into the unknown. So, uh, uh, you could say I, I took that bold step at a young age, and as a result, it was literally cut. Long story short, I won a won a green card in the lottery, and uh, that's what brought me to America. Yeah, that's what brought me to America, and that's when I really knew, show that if I truly follow my heart, if I truly follow the the guidance of my soul, the intelligence of my soul, then everything would unfold. Then the entire universe would support me, and that was inspiration and proof that uh, that's all I needed to do. I just, I need to, I didn't need to really figure out how I'm going to do it and how it was going to happen. I just need to keep saying yes to the Mm -hmm. deepest truth and follow that. And uh, that's what I've really uh, sought to do my entire life. The best I can is just kind of surrender to that guidance. I love that. You know, I, I, as I listen to that story and I think of you as a 17 year old, which is a tough time <laughs> anyway for yes. kids. And as a 17 year old, having the courage to say to your father, after you were, have been so successful in doing a lot of speaking and inspiring so many people in his congregation that mm. you are not going to follow, not only not follow him, but follow this success that he sees for you. And so, you know, many parents would have a very tough time, no matter who they are, saying, mm. you know, agreeing that, you know, giving up what you are obviously good at here and what you have set up just waiting for you to step into and own is crazy. And I can imagine, it, you know, I, I understand why your dad did not want to talk to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, but there came a point where I realized, like, I, I could follow the easy route, which was take over my father's churches, have a built-in audience. I mean, you could say an easier route. I could follow that, but in my mm. soul, in my heart, something felt so off, and I... I felt into that, and it wasn't a conscious thing, but I felt like, wow, even if I succeeded going down this, this path that was laid out for me, that, was, that would not be real success if I was not alive. I was not truly in alignment with my unique expression and the way that life was seeking to express through me uniquely in this lifetime. If I was not really honoring my soul, my true uh, life's purpose, then... No matter what I achieve, money, a book, you know, a congregation, that would not be success. And I had to make peace with that. And, and it felt yeah. like I thought that part, the part of me was dying. So I, for me, it was like, it, so long as I was true, I, 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 that's when I think my whole definition of success changed at young age. Because I knew so long as I was being true to myself, true, at least as true as I could be in that moment, given my own evolution, then no matter what happened, whether I was on the street, whether I was homeless, whether, you know, I was five people, 10 people, a million people, so long as I was being true, then I could be at peace with myself. And to me, that's success. Because at the end of my life, we take nothing with us, you know, no, no fame, no book, no, no right, nothing. Right. So uh, other than just the evolution of my own soul. So, so you know, it really... sounds to me 
given the books that your father had on his bookshelf, it sounds yes. to me that his message, part of his own message to his congregation, was about following your heart and being true and authentic in your own spirit. And so at some level, even though he may have been disappointed in your not staying there and stepping into his shoes, at some level he must have really understood that you were yeah. doing what he teaches, right? Yes, yeah, absolutely. I think he, you know, it was challenging, and I think he realized that. And when he, I think, obviously, when he, as a human, as a human, as a father, he he had these hopes, and and he had to let go of those hopes. And and I think uh, when he saw this, his kid, you know, win a green card and a lottery, and all these kind of miracles happen around me, then I think he started to realize, well, yeah, something's going on here, and. Uh, and I think he came, as a result, he, he came back around uh, a year or two later, and we, we, we were able to have a real conversation, and mm-hmm. as a result, a real relationship. And I think many times we, we kind of end up contorting ourselves or being who we think people want us to be in order to be loved, validated, accepted, approved, fit in, be normal. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I always say, even if you're loved, by your family, by friends, by those around you, even if you're loved, if you're not being yourself, then it's never truly fulfilling. And uh, right. then it's, I believe it's not a, like a real with a capital art relationship. So I think what, 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 where I find great joy is my father and I ended up having a, a real relationship because I was, re- I was being myself and the relationship was based on that, not pretending to be something that he wanted me to be, which I think a lot of people do, which creates, you know, misery and unhappiness and depression and, and unfulfillment. Right. So it takes courage, you know, Cheryl takes courage to, to be who you are, who you really are in a world that is constantly, you know, uh, suppressing and convincing us to, hey, you know, the message we get is, hey, you're not enough. Media, you're not enough. You're not enough. You're not enough. But if you, you know, if you drive this car, wear these clothes, you know, drink this drink, then you'll be okay. So I think uh, it takes a lot of courage to break out and say, this is who I really am. You know, Kud, I, as I listen to you and I hear the the way that you deliver the message is, so uh, it's contagious. You know, you, I've seen you speak multiple times, and, and, and whether you're speaking to a large crowd or you're speaking one-on-one, there is mm. an energy in you that people really respond to. And, mm. you know, many people who are, um, people call them zealots sometimes, um, mm. people who are leaders of major spiritual groups, they have that energy. They have that kind of um, magic capacity to deliver the message and enroll people in the idea. And, you know, I know that for you, that is not enough. You're not satisfied with simply telling people how great it can be. You have taken this work to another level. So, Talk about briefly about what, why that became so important to you. Mm, okay, yeah, beautiful question. I think why it became important to me is because I read the books, and you know, I read hundreds and hundreds of books when I was a kid on my father's bookshelf. I mean, six, seven hundred. But I, I lose count. I became fascinated 
great information. I was on fire with it. But what I realized is, for me, information, as great as it was by itself, wasn't enough. That we have patterns. And, you know, I started also seeing not only myself, but lots of people. We know what to do. We know what not to do. Yet why are we not doing what we know? Why are we still sabotaging ourselves? Why are we not fully stepping into our greatness, our power, our full potential? Why, why, why am I not giving my gift? Why do I feel so much love in my heart, but somehow it doesn't fully express in relationships when I really want it to? So I reached a point in my life uh, probably 14, 15 years ago, you know, in my, in, in my early 20s, where I was in relationship and I'd read all these books and sure enough, I fell mad in love with this incredible woman and love brings up everything unlike itself in order to be healed. So all of my, uh, let's just say, unresolved issues, wounds, resentments, anger, all that stuff that I had learned to just, I wasn't either aware of or learned to disconnect from my own childhood uh, came up to to be embraced, to be integrated, to be looked at, to be worked with, to be healed. And uh, it took me on a profound emotional healing journey. And that really forced me to confront uh, parts of myself that I had really uh, learned to just suppress and disconnect from. So it was really as a result of that process for myself that I was forced to examine and explore and ultimately let go of so much conditioning. You know, I often say the moment that we're born as children, we're born free, we're born these, you know, alive beings, but from childhood we meet our parents and get slowly get conditioned by society and this pain and abuse and trauma and divorce and two things happen. We start learning all sorts of strategies and ways to disconnect from our feelings, disconnect from the pain, and then we also start learning to develop a persona and a mask and a way of being in the world in order to get love, to be validated, to, to get approval. You know, who do I need to be in order for you to love me? So we start creating a persona and uh, that is ultimately for survival that disconnects us from our true essence. So we can, we can read information, we can get inspired, go to seminars, get motivated, but, but as a result, you know, of this conditioning, the, the programming that we've learned to develop ultimately to avoid pain, to get love, which helps us survive, we get locked into certain patterns, locked into certain ways of being, locked into certain grooves that limit us. So I often say the degree to we think we have free will, but the degree to which we're conditioned, we're actually being run by a past programming and, and conditioning. So for me... I was, I started observing that, wow, in relationships, I'm getting triggered. You know, my relationship with my girlfriend at the time, I was getting so triggered and there was so much insecurity and abandonment and stuff coming up. And, uh, and I thought, wow, I, I have a lot of stuff. So it forced me to go and really look at my conditioning, look at my programming, look at my unconscious, look at my emotional, you know, body and not just do a spiritual bypass and, and ultimately peel the layers away that I had learned to build up yeah. over time and do the healing. And that's really what, what took me into a deep process. And that's really the essence of the work I do is not so much to coach people, but to uncondition, to uncoach, to unprogram and help people reconnect with, with who they are. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about just how Coot does this with people because it is not the normal way. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. TRN. 
or twitter.com forward slash voice America TRN. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America Business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito with my very special guest today, Keith Blackson. So, Keith, we were talking about what brought you to this amazing work, and as you help people transform their lives, um, you are not what I would call a typical guru. Um, I've heard you say that, um, you know, the work you do is transformation more from the inside out than the outside mm-hmm. in. And, you know, I might hear a lot of people in the field of transformation say that. I hear that their work is about changing the inside in order to be successful on the outside. And yet there's another level of your work that once again separates you from the typical transformational um, guru or um, someone who is simply um, walking by someone's side to help them be more successful in a business. So Mm. tell us what that is. What's what's your secret sauce? (laughs) The secret sauce. I love that. You know, I... I, 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 okay, I, I can be, uh, yeah, let me do my best to say, because it's a little hard to say, hey, this is a secret source, because it's not, my work isn't really a formula, whether it's the, the two and a half day seminars I do, or the work in Bali, or my one-on-ones in India, uh, you know, for those that are serious about facilitating transformation, and then looking for the secret source, I'll always say to coaches, you know, I have a coach training program now, I always say to coaches, it's not the techniques that transform, and it's not the formulas and the strategies and the models that transform. They're helpful, and they are powerful, especially if they're well-created, and there's many amazing models and systems out there that people work with. But I really have found for myself in my own transformational process that the real magic is not simply the modality, but the state of consciousness and the state of consciousness of the coach him or herself, you know, the state of consciousness of the coach themselves and 
the degree to which that you as a facilitator, you as a healer have healed, have transformed, have cleared your own patterns, your own conditioning, the deeper you have access to your own emotions and feelings and range, the more you are connected to your own being, you are then able to hold a space that allows your client, that allows the audience, that allows those you're working with to also drop into that level. So often you can't really coach or facilitate beyond where you have gone yourself. So for me, if there's a secret, if there's honestly, if I'm to really be honest, if there's an honest secret source, to me the techniques and the strategies, the modalities, the processes I take people through are powerful. I design these processes based on what's necessary, based on the objective of what we're trying to facilitate, freedom, love, heart opening. But for me, the, the state of consciousness that I'm in, the, the state of consciousness is the techniques are a, are a excuse for the silence, for the, the texture, the quality of one's being. The, the techniques, the words, the processes are, are a delivery system, a transmission system for one's consciousness. So for me, it's really as healers, as coaches, as speakers, I think we have a responsibility to transform ourselves, to heal ourselves, because from that place, we'll be able to hold a greater space so that more transformation can happen for those around us. So really what I do is create that space. That space is also really emanate because of my own uh, inner work. So uh, my own yeah. inner work really has affected the secret source, so to speak. And, and absolutely. from there, I can yes. create process. Absolutely. I, I yeah. completely, absolutely uh, really agree with you because, I'm, you know, I've done this work for years, and yeah. that's always been, for me, the key. You know, that yep. I can only help my clients if I get out of the way. And yes. so for some people, for some coaches, that is counterintuitive. Well, what do you mean yeah. you have to be yeah. in the process? Well, yes. Yeah. And uh, what I have to be is someone who has large enough capacity on a consciousness mm-hmm. level, on a spirit level, you know, on an unconditional love level for the client mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I can hold all of them, all of their positive, all of their challenges, all of their um, emotion, their breakdown, all of their fears, I have to be able mm. to hold that, not be afraid of it. Mm-hmm. And the only way we can do that as people who are facilitating transformation is to be so clear in ourselves that there's mm. lots of room in there, lots mm. of space in there, right? So we have to carry a sense of spaciousness in yeah. order to let our client kind of wrestle with all of the letting go and the becoming new. Do you have a a favorite story about anyone in particular? You don't have to tell two. A situation that that really has um, affected you. Yeah, you know, uh, there was a client I had who came to me, and 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 it kind of shows the, the the process of how we get conditioned and why we do what we do, and and why many times you know it's important to work at the deeper level. Uh, I had a client that came to me years ago, and he was an amazing human being, and he showed up. He says, "Good, I've heard about your work. I want to transform." I said, "Great," and I looked at him and I said, "I really feel as though." 
how you've been living is inauthentic and, and in a sense you've been acting your entire life. And he looked at me like, what do you mean? I, I'm, I'm being myself, you know? And what I've seen is most of the time we get conditioned into a persona, a way of being, and we hold so tightly onto that identity. We get so identified with that way of being, that, that person that we think that we are, that we actually believe this is who we really are. And his identity had been the quiet person. His identity had been, I'm just, I'm just shy. I'm the background supporter, you know? My wife is the person that's in the public eye, and I, I just support her. And you know, I'm in the background. I don't, I don't need. You know, I'm just the back. The, the, I forget what the term is, but I'm the background person. Was, was his kind of theme, his identity, and I'm being shy. So, uh, and I said, I don't believe that because I feel like mm-hmm. there is you're a, you're a lion who's been living like a mouse. And you've been stuck in this prison of the persona of your identity called shy, and uh, it's time to break out. So as we started exploring, he became aware to me that one of the first steps of transformation is to become aware of what we're not aware of. So as he started to become aware, I asked him uh, about four questions. I honestly don't even remember specifically what they were, but I asked him about four or five questions. He went away. And he came back. It triggered a process in him. And what was incredible was, you know, this is a guy who he felt so much inside that wasn't so much potential that wasn't coming out. He wanted to start a business. He had this great idea. But every time he would get close, he would pull back. He would sabotage it. He would do something to basically push it away. And he didn't really know why because he kept saying, I really want this, but it was, it was not happening. So as he came back to me 24 Hours later, after I'd asked him these questions, he said, Coop, you know, I, I sat with your questions, and I literally have been crying all night. And I said, mm-hmm. why? And he said, you know, I'm 55 years old. I haven't cried since I, I was a child. And he says, when you asked me those questions, I don't know what happened. It triggered something inside of me, and I had a memory. And it's going to get a little tense here for a moment, sure. But he said, I had a memory, and that memory was I was age five, and I was sexually molested by my uncle. And I thought, wow. And he was just crying, and all this, all this grief that he had suppressed and pressed down had come to the surface, and he was just feeling all this stuff that he didn't even know was in there. And he said, Coop, I did not even consciously remember this memory. I didn't even know it had happened until yesterday. And it explained some things to me. And as we started to process, and as he started to then feel all of the feelings he'd learned to suppress because we learned to suppress all these feelings that then keep us stuck in this, in a certain identity. Uh, as he learned to feel all the feelings he had actually suppressed and, and started to release the, the emotion, the suppressed emotion, he said to me, Coot, you know, I realize now that as a child, when this thing happened that shouldn't have happened, my, my uncle did this thing, it shouldn't have happened. What he realized was, as a child, he was innocent, he was bright, he was radiant, he was alive, he was vibrant, he was transmitting energy as this five-year-old kid. He was just magnificent being, full of life, full of self-expression. Something happened that shouldn't have happened. Unconsciously, he learned, wow, it's not safe to be seen. Because when I'm seen, dangerous things happen. Being seen equals danger. And, and you know, anyone listening, if, you, if you're going to be successful in the world, it, it requires you being seen. You know, you have to be seen, whether it's on a stage, on a platform, whatever it is, if you're going to be successful, it requires being visible. So unconsciously as a kid, a survival mechanism kicked in, realized not safe to be seen. So what he created was a whole survival 
strategy in order to disconnect, shut down, be quiet, hide, and become the shy guy because if I'm not seen, then I can't be hurt. If I'm not seen, then nobody can hurt me. I'll be I'll be safe. When she ended up marrying a woman who was very gregarious, very outgoing, very talkative. I mean, he could barely get a word in edgewise. And, he, and it was perfect for him because he could just remain in the background, support, just be the supporter, and nobody would ever see him. And it was very safe, very safe for him. So every time he would try and launch a business, he would sabotage it. He would, because launching a business means being seen, being out there, being visible. But there's a wire, there was a wiring inside of him in terms of being seen is not safe. So, so as we worked with that and cleared some of the emotion and helped him reconnect his, his, his you could say, association with, with being seen and what that meant and, and went through a deep healing process, he was able to really own his power and come back into his, his authentic expression, his authentic self, and, and access his own inner freedom again and step into who he really was. And, and that was a huge transformation. And that's why I often say, you know, is who you're being, who you really are, is who you've been conditioned to be, because often who we're being is not really who we most authentically are until we start becoming aware and observing and start feeling the feelings that we've learned to, to suppress that keep us in a certain way of being and free ourselves from that. So... So that was an amazing example of something that was truly inspirational because as he, as he was able to go through that process of unraveling and clearing, I just saw him step into such power and freedom and magnificence. Yeah. He really just became his true, most authentic self. Have you ever said no to someone? You know, someone who said, I, I, wanna, I want you to help me. Yes. And... Have you ever noticed? Uh, yeah, let me tell you when I say no, and this is you know, if there's any coaches listening. Uh, I, I, when I, I have said no quite a few times, and I've said no when I have not felt the client truly, authentically committed already. Mm-hmm. When I hear mm-hmm. Because I, I have found, you know, I've seen many coaches, they'll just work with someone. But I found that in order to really facilitate transformation and move people beyond their identities, beyond their survival, make it beyond their conditioning, beyond the comfort zone, there has to be a commitment. And people tend not to transform unless they are truly, sincerely committed. And when I feel people not being honest about that commitment, you know, not being truly honest, and it's not their fault, it's just they're saying I'm committed, but they're really... They're really really not. And when I feel that misalignment, I'll, I'll say no. And I'll call them on, I don't really feel you committed. I see. I hear you saying that. I hear you saying you want to transform, but I don't really feel that authentically. Mm-hmm. Then I'll say no and, and either we'll explore what the resistance is to them actually getting 100% committed to themselves and their process and work through that resistance. Because I think resistance is often a natural part of the transformational process. Or I'll send them home and say, come back when you really are committed. You know, so uh, yeah. uh, that, 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 and I find, you know, to, to really have people tell the truth to themselves, and the truth might be, you know what, I'm actually not committed. And to yeah. be honest, yeah. that, rather than pretend they're committed and do all this work, not being 100% committed, then not really have it yeah. work, and then, and then play this game with themselves. It's like, no, I'm actually not committed, and here's why I'm not committed, because maybe I'm afraid that if I get committed 
and I, and I, and I actually shift. I actually transform. I actually let go. I actually step into my power. I might have to recreate or end my relationship. It might mean having to be honest about the fact that I hate my work. I hate my job. It's not in alignment with who I am, but I'm afraid that how am I going to survive financially if I actually am honest with myself and get committed and move forward with this work? Then how will I survive on a financial level? So I think yeah. it's so honest that people get really honest with themselves, even if they don't take an action step, because to me, the honesty is transformative. The honesty, just sitting in the honesty and the truth, it, it starts a process that that uh, burns inside. Because once we've, said, once we've spoken the truth to ourselves, there's a part of us that can't go back. We know, and it begins a process right. of, right. of movement. So have you ever had people try to bargain with you? It goes something like this. Um, well, Coot, I really want to do this, and I think this is amazing, and I'm really looking forward to it. I really want to find myself more. I just want to make sure that when we do this, that you're not going to make me quit my job because, you know, I have a family to take care of. And, and I, I really, I've been really successful in this work for a really long time. So, you know, just I'm willing to transform. Just promise me that I'm just not going to have to leave my job. Have you ever had something <laughs> to do that? Uh, for, for sure. I mean, that happens often, you know, but the, the yeah. reality is that's not a guarantee I can give. And I always tell people, look, it's not my intention to have you quit your job. It's not my intention to have you leave your relationship. My intention, and I think this should be the intention of any facilitator, conscious coach, is not to have some uh, preconceived idea of where the person you're facilitating, where they should be or what they should be. My intention is really to hold the space to reflect the truth of who I see them to be without my own conditioning, you know, imposed expectations so that that, so that, that person can ultimately get in touch with the deepest truth for themselves. Because I yeah. say, look, it, it, on one level, it, being happy is not that difficult. Be honest, be truthful, follow that honest truth in your heart. But it's not always easy because of the patterns we have, the fears we have, the, the, our own comfort zones, you know, the payoffs we get from doing what we're doing. So I always tell people, my, my intention is not to make you leave your job. My intention is just to help you get in touch with the truth because I believe that the truth, and whether you decide to do anything about the truth, that's up to you. But we will get in touch with the truth, and the truth, if you're willing to follow it, will set you free. Now, I've always right. found if you're really willing to follow the truth and, and honor the truth in your heart, to me, that is the key to happiness. And the reason I see many people unhappy is because they're constantly denying, suppressing, not owning, bargaining um, with themselves. Well, you know, this, this relationship is not so bad. This job's not so, yeah, it's not. No, the truth might be the courageous truth. That's why it, it takes courage to be on the transformational path. The courageous truth is I really don't like this job. I'm terrified of what to do. I'm terrified of how I'm going to survive. I, I don't know. I have no idea. But the truth is, this job is completely out of my integrity. I'm done. I hate it. And I'm terrified. I'm not ready to leave, but I'm scared. And just to sit yeah. in the truth, even if you don't leave your job, even if you don't do anything, it then begins yeah. a process. It begins a process inside that starts opening you up to new possibilities. And, and the truth starts burning inside, you know. And, and the reason I see so many people stuck is because they're so busy lying to themselves, so busy 
not telling the truth to themselves, and it keeps it keeps us stuck. Absolutely. So you know, I, mean, I see this in people all the time, and you know, I I think it's very important for clients or potential clients um, or people who simply are interested in knowing more about this work that, you know, it's important for them to know that, you know, the result is not about um, stepping into the expectations of the person who's coaching you. Mm-hmm. The What's important is that you, as the client, as the person going through the process, are willing to touch one's own truth, then they have choices about what they can do, right? And one yep. of those choices for some of those people, I mean, I've had clients who um, have, have done that, tried to do that bargaining with me, right? And, um, and, and my, my comment back to them is very much like yours. And I say, you know, if you are at that place where you realize this isn't, the role for you or what you want to do the rest of your life, you still are in choice. And one of those choices might be, and for right now, I'm going to go to this organization every day and give it my best and my all, and I'm going to be happy. I'm going to know that this is a stepping stone to my next place or my next way of being and yet I'm going to show up consciously. And I think it's really important for people to understand that because I, what I do know about people who are looking at change, all of us really change a little bit, they are afraid. You know, please don't make me give up who I am to step into something I don't know because it's so uncertain. Why would I just say yes to that? So, you know, there's a lot of... of talk that goes on in the mind to keep one from being willing to step forward into a challenge like this. And, you know, we're going to take a break. When we come back, to, I want you to talk even more about um, the type of challenge that you actually ask people to take. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Escobedo with Coot Blackson. Okay, Coot, so you take people on these amazing journeys of transformation, and I know that you really try to customize the work to the individual. That's really what's great about your work. And I know you have an ex- what some people would call an extreme version of <laughs> It's it's like an immersion. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, the the, the extreme version is is what I do in India. And what I do in a nutshell is I basically, in India, is I take away your passport, take away your money. This is one-on-one, by the way. I take away your passport, take away your money. I have a backpack, a pair of clothes, and I take you to India. And I customize a process that really feels into where your deepest blocks are. And and you give me permission, obviously. And and, uh, I put you in situations, create situations that, that really find your limits on expansion, on freedom, on your own potential, and help you stretch beyond those limits you know often we we say mm-hmm. that we're free but the moment you take away someone's iphone and cell phone and you know ipad and computer and identity then the freedom's gone so i often say that real freedom is an inner freedom that cannot simply be taken away and to me the real power is to help people access that so and it's really a deep process that assist people in becoming aware of their conditioning. To me, that's the first step of transformation, really becoming aware, telling the truth about speaking the truth. And you know, we were just talking about the truth a moment ago, but I, I often ask people to have an exploration of, you know, what's the truth you need to tell? What are you pretending to not know? Uh, and many times, many times we're at, we actually do know. We do know what we need to shift. We do know what our deepest truth is. And to have the courage to say, this is the truth I do know, and to own that truth. Uh, and then, you know, clearing away whatever, what no longer serves. And I think there is a real value to, to creating the space in one's life by clearing away what is no longer in alignment so that we can have the space for new energies, new people, new situations, new opportunities to really start flowing in to one's life. And if, you know, someone was in that place you were talking about earlier, Cheryl, of, I don't really know, I don't want to give up my job, I think, being willing to tell the truth, because you can't change something if you're in denial about it. You can't change something if you're not willing to tell the truth about it, because you can't work with something you're, you're not being honest about. So that's why I think telling the truth is, is such an important part of the transformational uh, process itself, and and if they're in a place of well, I I, I you know I, I don't quite want to give give my job up, but if you're willing to tell the truth, okay, this is not in alignment. But then while you're there, be happy as you talked about. But yeah, so yeah. what can I do each day? What can I actually do each day to move myself closer to a different vision? What can I do each day to actually that is building the vision that I desire in my heart? Because many times people come up and go, oh, I hate my job. Are you doing anything? Are you? Uh, and I want to write a book. How much did you write? Yeah, zero. So I think it's important that we do those tiny steps. That 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 is in our control to move in the yeah. direction that we truly want. I think that that's an important piece of the puzzle. So I do these intense journeys in India. I do these intense journeys in Bali for twenty people. 
uh, weekend seminars, but it's all based on assisting people, peeling away their conditioning, feeling, feeling the feelings that they suppressed and, and clearing those. Because I think you know, every single thing that happens to us gets stored in our nervous system the moment that we're born. So often nervous system is the antenna to the world. The information comes in, we then interpret it through our nervous system. So depending on the state you could save our nervous system is determining our ability to perceive life in a certain way. So if there's a whole bunch of junk, unprocessed, incomplete stuff that is stuck inside of our nervous system, that's going to determine how we perceive reality and the reality that we experience. So to me, part of the transformational process is helping people clear what's unresolved from, you could say, the nervous system so that they can see clearly, interpret life clearly, experience a whole different reality, and from that place make different choices that are truly in alignment with their authentic selves. Is there a reason why you choose to take people to places like India and yes, Bali? Absolutely. The reason is, you know, in the West, we have Western grid, let's say we live in America, if anyone's listening, or the West, Europe, you know, there's all the comforts, the crunchy comforts, all the things we know. And I think we get into a certain grid, into a certain routine, we get used to all of this stuff and the media bombards us, the media conditions us, you know, you have to look this way in order to be beautiful, you have to, you know, this is what success is. So we start getting conditioned and programmed, I call it the matrix, you know, through osmosis, we don't even realize the gravity of the mass consciousness. So if something happens, well, I find when you unplug people from the regular TikTok routine, put people in a different environment where they don't have to do the same five-step dance rhythm and, and they don't have to hold themselves together in the same way that they have to hold themselves together in their you know, familiar matrix, their familiar life, so to speak. And, and as a result, the places where they tend to go for comfort, the places where they tend to go for validation, the places where they tend to, to go to go, oh, this is who I am, aren't there anymore. You know, so the regular moves that we tend to do that kind of keep us together aren't there anymore, which then allows yeah. an unraveling to happen, then allows the, the unprogramming, the unconditioning to happen. And as a result, they start going, well, maybe I'm not that. If I'm not that, then who am I really? So it really puts people into the unknown so that they can find out beyond who do I think I am, they can find out who they really are. So it, it's a... You could say it, it really um, it starts unraveling people in a very profound way. And places like India, as an example, are so powerful because okay. you know India is is so intense. It's so the sights, the sounds, the colors. It makes you feel things you've never felt. It makes you experience things you never felt. And so much is out of your control in India. India is a place, for example, that forces you to let go of control, time and, 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 and you know, logic in a certain sense and, and, and the different way of thinking. And it forces you to really surrender control. And uh, I it found that really working with people control can be the master really addiction. To one to one's typical lifestyle. Absolutely. So yeah. we've come to the end of our show. We have one minute left. Um, I know that people are going to want to know so much more about you. They're going to want to know about your book that's going to be out in 2016. They are going to want to know about the CD, music, video, etc. that you have available to people. How can they find out? Oh, thank you. Thanks, Joe. Uh, the best way that people can uh, get in contact is, is to my website, uh, com. That's, that's, that's the best place that they can find out more. If they want to find out about the journeys, 
uh, in Bali, they can go to www.boundlessblissbali.com. And lastly, we have, uh, we're giving away a special meditation I created called the Surrender Meditation. Uh, and that's a free downloadable meditation and two amazing, uh, 45 minute audio training sessions on really the keys to happiness. And they can go to how to end suffering and be happy.com and they can access that for free there as well. Coot, it has been a privilege to have you here today. I just love your work and I know you are I know you've been doing this for so many years and you are only beginning. I can just feel uh, it. So we will have you back again because I you're going to have so much more to tell us. I just know it. So Coot Glasson, thank you very much. And um yeah. Remember thank you, and so remember, everyone, to think big. The world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.